The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Thursday, November 11th, 2021, season 17, episode number 59. Welcome to the latest edition of the break, live from SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. I'm so excited. I'm I'm excited about doing the show, but man, it's like every time you think things are kind of pulling back together, you're getting your guys back, something just happens from an injury standpoint that just has you scratching your head. We uh, we hear this morning that uh, Randy Gregory, who, by the way, as I was putting together the, the rundown for the show yesterday, I saw the injury report, and I noticed Randy Gregory's name on there limited. I'm like, eh, okay, it's probably just one of those things, just kind of taking it easy. Then Mike McCarthy says today in his press conference that this is a multiple week injury. This is not a just a, you know, vet day or kind of give a guy a little break to rest something that's been bothering him. Uh my question for you guys, let's let's just get to the brass tacks of this thing. Um how what is this what does this injury look like as far as just timetable? What are we thinking as far as timetable and how the Cowboys adjust? The fact that Mike McCarthy didn't rule out injured reserve tells you all you need to know. But the fact that they don't know yet also means it's multiple week, but that could be if they if they haven't already decided, that means you're at least within the possibility of it being a two or three week injury. Um, I always try to be conservative with injury diagnosis. Neville Gallimore being a perfect example of why these things take time. So. But, I mean, it sounds like they'll be without him for multiple games, maybe even as long as three to five. I mean, it's it's a calf injury. He did say, you know, no two are the same. He, he said it was a similar part of the calf to Dak. That's what he and said. Dak missed, what, three weeks? Dak missed, missed two, weeks. two weeks in one game because of the bye. He missed he, I mean, so uh, right. two weeks. Yeah, I was thinking three weeks from the time he played to the time he played, but it would have been, yeah. He missed two, yeah, games, two games, or right. would have if it weren't for the buy. Yeah. So it could be two. Michael Gallup had a calf injury and is just now coming back in mid-November after week one. So that's somewhere in between. That's interesting, though. You know, you're talking about two games. It's usually Sunday to Sunday, but as we sit here and he suffered uh, yeah. it on a Wednesday, we're talking about having some Thursday games coming up. So, yeah, I mean, I you hope it's more like Dak and less like Gallup, but um, that is and. Yeah, this is the stretch of time where we're we're about to get into that window where they're going to play four games in 20 days or whatever the math is. You know, I mean, after this, it's, it goes Kansas City Thanksgiving and then another Thursday game. It's just been a tag. It's just been tag team wrestling the whole time. It's just been like, all right, I'm I'm back. All right, I'm in. And we've talked about it. Them overcoming so many different challenges throughout the season, but to me, like, am I exaggerating? To like. By feeling that with this kind of news, I feel like, damn, with screw on defense. <laughs> like, that's how I feel with Randy, a player like Randy, the way he's been playing on that defense. And right now, just imagine him out of the mix. And then while we wait for Demarcus Lawrence, and even with D-Lock coming back, 
I mean, at what pace is it going to be, you know? Because sometimes it does take, like, a game or two for players, even like him, to kind of get back into the groove of things. But right now I feel like, damn, am I exaggerating? No, I don't like think you're... the panic button Well, Well, he, he's been the best player on defense. He's been better. I mean, he I think he's been better consistently now than Diggs and Parsons, who have been great at times. But I think for what that position gives you... I mean, he he has cleaned up a lot of messes, and um, he's been a dynamic player. And so, no, I, I don't know about screwed. I mean, but because um, Dan Quinn has had less talent and had good defenses, so we'll see what he can come up with. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's frustrating to have a player like that that's you know goes down to another injury. I, yeah, I don't think you're exaggerating. I also, it's just, it's it's football. It's the NFL. We're halfway through the season, and. Damn, there there can't be more than a handful of teams that think that they've had good injury luck right now. Like every seventy five percent of the teams in the league think they can't buy a break. It's it's the nature of the game. Well, I mean, it's one thing when your quarterback is rolling out in overtime and beats the Patriots, a team you hadn't beaten in thirty years, and you score a touchdown, and that's the good news. The bad news is he suffered a calf injury, but we'll see. We got the bye. We'll, we'll see. It sucks when it's out here at practice. Like, and that's, what are they doing out here? I have a memory at some point this year. I think it was at the end of training camp. I was like, now you don't really have to hold your breath about practice anymore because the season practices are different than camp practices. And you don't hear a whole hell of a lot about injuries happening during game weeks. And Randy's this has got to be at least the second guy who's uh, – yeah, because CD rolled his ankle last week at practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also – these kinds of injuries can be – Demarcus Lawrence, yeah. So I I knew it was more. Yeah. So three guys have gotten hurt at practice, and two of them are significant. And I'm not trying to say that they're doing something wrong. I just it's it's a tough break that you're usually not used to having to deal with. And these could be just just like use type injuries. These are not like they necessarily were trying to you know make this incredible block or whatever. It's just. Overuse of, of, of after a certain amount of time, sometimes you can Absolutely. have freak things happen. I'm yeah. not throwing. I'm not questioning the way Mike McCarthy runs his practices or the medical staff. I already see people. This is the third calf injury of the year. People, what are they doing out there? Do we need to look at the training staff? No, the training staff's done a hell of a job getting all of these guys back for you. By the way, it just it, again, it's football. Yeah. Stuff I mean, happens. I remember eight, nine years ago, it was it was a hamstring. It was Miles Austin yeah, and just that, yeah. a That's, bunch of them. That was my first year. Yeah. I, and I, then, we couldn't we we ran out of room to write about all the hamstrings on. And that then team. about I don't know five years ago, six years ago, I know Dan Bailey was one of them. It was the back. Mm. You remember, yeah, it was a you lot. Had Tyron, you had Bailey. It was just, it was happening. Lyle had a back a, thing. A lot. So it's just. Seems like they do kind of sometimes come in bunches in a particular area of the body. But I, I don't think I think you get in trouble when you start trying to make comparisons between injuries and oh, we got a lot of these, so it must mean something. No, it just mm. means that a couple guys got the same injury. It's not not to mention I mean the the workload I mean, you couldn't ask for three more different situation a receiver, an end, and a quarterback. Yeah. I mean it's not like they're out there doing the same drills or Mike McCarthy doesn't have these guys doing calf raises in between <laughs> Reps, you that know, would be pretty interesting. No, uh, I don't think it would. No. That might not be a good idea. <laughs> well, I liked his answer, you know, about so somebody asked him, Does this mean Micah Parsons is going to rush the passer? And he's like, We'll, we'll see you at noon, so right? The game starts, the game at, noon. starts at noon. Don't be late. <laughs> well, well, I can ask you guys the answer is yes. The answer is yes. You think he's now going to be well, he's been rushing game? the pass, but I'm saying, like, do you think they like they did in the, in the charger game? Uh, like, they're going to line him up, he's going to be your defensive. I end. wouldn't, he's, I would, I would not. 
Okay, oh. have it out. Let's go. Right, wow. Who's going to do it? <laughs> what, what, I'm like, what are you getting from your edge rushers if you don't? Have, I, Nick is thinking Dorrance. Okay. No, I'm, I'm, Micah has more career sacks than Dorrance already, by the way. Coming from where? Dorrance has been on the team since 2018. Oh, Coming yeah. from so. where? He, like, <laughs> Dorrance has two career sacks playing in, and Micah got one against the Chargers. Oh, no, that, that's fine. Like, I'm not, I'm not comparing Dorrance Armstrong and Micah Parsons. I, what I'm, what I'm saying is that I, I still feel like Micah is, is been a better player when he is a linebacker and he's rushing from all over the place. I don't think he's as good just right there. Yeah, at when so you have a guy like Randy Gregory out though, you don't have the luxury to use a who's guy playing, like Micah Parsons. Who's playing linebacker for you? Who's playing? Keanu Neal and Lane Vanderesh. No thanks. Okay. <laughs> no thanks. Because when yeah. you did that against the Chargers. Laugh if you want, but Jalen Smith played and he played pretty well in that game against the Chargers. He did a nice job in that game, and and you, you go get him. Why do you have to do these things? I've heard worse things in the I'm, world. I'm asking that. the question. I mean, because I thought you it was about get, when when Amber asked, I thought it's a valid question. Like, okay, if you move him, like who's going to be your linebackers? I think that's a valid question. I. Keanu Neal and Leighton Vander Esch. Like, what are we talking about here? I know I agree with Nick to a degree that Keanu Neal hasn't been this revelation. He's been fine. He's got 30 tackles. He's started two games. I just I mean, think Micah Parsons is dynamic in the role that we've seen the last few weeks. Basham, okay, you, you, just like you said that Keanu Neal and Leighton Vander Esch would be fine. I also think Basham and Dorrance Armstrong would probably be fine as well, but I got I got this dynamic player that they don't know who's, where he's coming from. Which, as I say over and over and over again, it doesn't have to be either or. Yeah. I don't want him to do just one thing. He needs to give them something from the edge in this game. Something. I just, I just expect at this point his number of reps is going to go up. But he's going to probably do both. If he plays 60 snaps, I would like to see at least 15 of them come from the right. edge just to give them something. And, and, and I'm fine with that. The, the week two against the Chargers, he, he only played like 30 snaps. He didn't play a lot. And they were still They used him things. as a true, like he yeah. was part of the edge rotation. Yeah. That's not necessarily what I'm asking for. Yeah. He just needs, they need some juice off the edge. That I don't. I'm mean, Terrell Basham and Dorrance Armstrong can do their jobs, and there's way more to playing defensive end than just rushing the passer. We know that, but they don't have any juice around the corner without Micah doing that with Randy and Demarcus Lawrence just sitting out. How much of a challenge do you think this is when you come to? Uh, this is a relatively uh, a relatively easier schedule. But this part of the schedule, I think you're facing some teams that are probably as good as what you're going to face this season when you've got not necessarily Atlanta, which you can say what you want about Atlanta, but then you get to Kansas City, who has a pretty good passing attack. We did this last week. We started talking about Darren Waller. And I'm not saying it's a superstition thing, like we can't do that, but... Well, one thing at a time, man. I mean, we don't know the length of Randy's injury. We he, we do know it's multiple week. We do. So, so these seem to these. But for the next three weeks, you've got Atlanta. Then you've got Kansas City. Let's, then you've got uh, Las Vegas. Let's sort through how to do one the one at a time, man. Like, we are not on, the team. It, no, it's not a it's not a matter of like we need to focus and only talk about Atlanta. It's like we there's so much we don't know. We don't know what his timetable is. We don't know what their game plan is against Atlanta. They could pick and choose this thing. I mean, they're probably not going to add talent from outside the team. So 
I think what you do against Kansas City and, and Las Vegas will probably be informed by w- how successful your game plan is this week, if I had to guess. Maybe. Maybe Basham or, or, and or Armstrong play the game of their life, and you're like, okay, we don't need Micah so much. Maybe Matt Ryan has all freaking day on Sunday, and you're like, we got to do something. We don't want to move Micah, but it it calls for it, you know? And th- that's all I mean. It's not like, of course, we can talk about other games. It's just... There's so much we don't know here on Thursday of game week. This is the second time. Again, they had to throw their game plan out the window against L.A. And I don't know if they're, if they're going to do that this week, but it's at least possible. It's it's worth a thought. I yeah. Mean, yeah. This is a Like Nick said, this is your best defensive player. That's a pretty big deal when you lose your, pretty, your best defensive player. Man, I really wanted to see him rush the passer against Mahomes. And I, I mean, too. I know. Okay. Also against uh, Matt Ryan, but I mean – I thought that that would have, that was just a, a good matchup. I can't I couldn't wait to see, yep. and I was hoping D Law would be back for that one too, for both of them. But you know, he's got it's rare that you're going to face back to back MVP quarterbacks. I mean, former MVPs, yeah. and because they're not, neither one of them are playing like MVP level right now. Um, I think one of them can figure it out though, but <laughs> and it might be that week. He'll be against the Cowboys when just Randy will. Gregory's not there to make <laughs> him you, uncomfortable. Right. Don't you just see Tyreek Hill just? just I've been just saying doing, his, doing flips into the end zone. I've been saying yeah. all year, like the chief, the Chiefs are Michael Myers to me. Like you got, I know you got to <laughs> bury them under concrete for me to believe they're five and four. They could suck for another month and still figure it out in time to make the playoffs, and then all bets are, the, are off. And what are the Falcons? Four and four. And four. four. Four and four. You know, right now the Falcons, Falcons are, are the last wild card. They are the team. last wild card team right now. They are a playoff team as we sit here today. Well, last time a four and four team came into the stadium, it didn't go so well. Yeah, who was that? The Broncos. <laughs> oh, duh. I'm sorry. Yeah, they were wow. four and four. <laughs> I thought you were we pulling decide. up something from years, like a couple years ago. Yeah. No, I, I stick to right here. Right here in the present. Right now. Right, business dinner. That's the, the NFL is <laughs> wild like that. Like Denver and Atlanta has been circled for a long time as kind of like, okay, you get a break before this crazy stretch heading into December. And the, um, the Broncos aren't a wild card team right now, but that, that whole division is above 500. Like mathematically, they are very much in the division race, let alone the wild card race. Yeah. And, that, and Atlanta's the seventh wild card team right now. So this is why it's not fun and I get called boring and a downer but like why do we argue about this stuff in may it just doesn't matter it doesn't matter like at all because so much things gonna yeah, happen there's nothing else though i mean i know gonna, I, I know the answer the beautiful but part about doing the nba like, playoffs yeah. i mean what are you gonna argue about yeah <laughs> all right here's what we're gonna do we're gonna take our first break we'll come back we got bucky brooks from nfl network he'll be joining us talk a little bit about the uh, cowboys offense versus the atlanta defense we'll do that when we come right back dallascowboys.com radio before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com cowboys. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. 
Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. Back to the break. Download the official app of the Dallas Cowboys to get access to in-market game broadcasts, mobile tickets, daily podcasts, live pre-game and post-game shows, game updates, and more. Download in the app or Google Play stores. Welcome back. We're in the second segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We're joined right now by Bucky Brooks of NFL Network. Bucky, let's talk some Atlanta defense versus Cowboys offense. As I look through the, uh, the statistical rankings of this team, this defense, it doesn't look like there's much to fear here, but at coming off a game like we had last week, I'm just like, okay, well, maybe there's not much there, but maybe there is. And so I want to ask you, what what's the best thing they do? And what's the thing that, that you can get them on? What's their weakness? Well, I mean, statistically, they haven't played well this season, but they played pretty well against the Saints for the most part. For about three quarters, they had the Saints kind of nullified and locked up. Uh, it's a unit that plays hard. They're still trying to figure out how to play in the scheme that Dean Peace and the guys are trying to put together down there. Um, but I think, obviously, when you have the kind of performance that the Cowboys had a week ago, uh, everyone is going to look at what the Broncos did, and they're going to try and steal some ideas. And so I think the Cowboys can expect to see some of that man-match coverage where they're passing off things and playing, playing man-to-man, trying to take away some of the easy throws and trying to confuse Dak with the way that they switch and kind of muddy up the middle of the field, um, they can't really generate pressure um, because they, they just haven't been able to do it. I mean, I think Dante Fowler may come back, but they don't have enough up front to really get after it. So because they can't get after you with pressure, they got to put a lot more of their eggs in the coverage basket and see if they can kind of confuse the quarterback by switching up things to make it very, very cloudy for him when he's trying to read. Uh, Bucky, when I think of Falcons defense, I think of like Jesse Tuggle or something. I, I, I don't really know a lot of guys there on that defense, but I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, kind of flip the script because we just found out the news on Randy Gregory on de- a defensive end uh, being out for a few weeks for the Cowboys. What what would what would you do there at defensive end uh, if you're Dallas for this game? Uh, I think you have I think you have to play more sub packages. I think you have to use Micah uh, a little more off the edge. I think you have to kind of blend in some of your nickel dime packages so you can free Mike up to do those things. He's the most expl- explosive player on the 2D roster off the edge that's available. So you have to use him in that role. And it's one where you lose some of his playmaking ability as a sideline to sideline player. But in this game, you need the pressure because you can't let Matt Ryan sit back there 
uh, 40, 45 times without duress, he still is good enough to pick apart secondaries. And so I think Micah has to have a bigger role coming off the edge. Buggy, you kind of talked about this at the jump, but I'm just curious from your experience in the league, like when somebody's – when Denver obviously is who I'm referring to. When somebody's game plan works – that well against an opponent like when you're watching and game planning that how much do you think the falcons change what they want to do or adopt that based on what they're seeing i mean i imagine you still have plenty of stuff in your own scheme that you want to stick with but you just you can't ignore how successful that is i'm guessing no so early in the game you want to see if they've answered the question if they they've answered a question that pops up based on how the broncos uh kind of slowed them down. And if they don't answer the question, they will keep getting a steady diet of it. It's just the nature of the league. When you show stuff on tape that you have a problem with, you're going to keep seeing it until you show people that you've resolved it. And so for the Cowboys offense, it's going to be dealing with the match coverage and the way uh, guys pass it off, which is really interesting because the Patriots are really the pioneers of that coverage. And so um, they didn't have as much success, but I don't know why it really confounded the Cowboys when the Broncos did it. Um, but, yeah, you can see more of that. And it's, it's actually a coverage that is kind of – people are talking about too deep coverage being the uh, coverage de jure of the league, but it really hasn't been. It's been more match coverage because you, you look at how teams have slowed down uh, some of the other high-powered offenses. It's a lot of this man-match coverage where you're passing things off, playing man-to-man versus verticals, but playing zone versus crossing routes. You already said this was – this wouldn't necessarily be a huge threat for the Cowboys, but can you talk about? Can you talk more about the matchup with the O line and if they do line up the same way that they did against Denver? Yeah, I mean, look, I, th- I think the offensive line has to has to play well. I think everybody has to play well. I think they just laid an egg last week. They certainly didn't bring the A game or the games that we've seen during the six game winning streak. I think everybody, us included, might have looked past the Denver Broncos and didn't give them enough respect. I think when you lose a game like you lose to the Broncos, I think the Atlanta Falcons certainly get your attention. You pay more attention to the details and meeting everyone is on alert. I think just by that nature, they'll play better. But then I think Terrence still should be more comfortable another week of practice at left tackle. Leo Collins to kind of settle in, knock off all the rust. And I would expect the offensive line to have a better performance, even though they need to be aware of, of Grady Jarrett on the inside. He still is a guy that can be disruptive at the point of attack. Did you see anything from Terrence Steele that made you say, hey, maybe the better option here is to, to switch he and Lyle and put him back on the right and, and have Lyle play, play left? Well, I mean, so here's the thing. It was a long-term deal where you knew that Terrence Steele and Lyle Collins were going to have to be your starters. Then what maybe you do is you leave Terrence Steele at right because that's where he was playing well. Lel Collins comes in at left, and you kind of stay that way for a while. But I think the Cowboys' thinking is eventually Tyron Smith is going to come back, and when he comes back, he starts at left tackle. Lel Collins is our best option at right tackle. Let's get this lineup going. So let's make sure that Lel is comfortable, mm. and then when Tyron Smith is eventually coming back, we can remove Terrence Steele, and everybody's in their normal spots. I think that had a lot to do with the decisions that led to the lineup and the reshuffle, more so than, hey, let's move – Terrence Steele to the left because we just feel like he's going to be a better left than Leo Collins. I think it's about trying to keep the continuity so when the starters all come back, everyone is in their comfortable and natural spots. 
Every indication is that A.J. Terrell's having a really solid season in year two for them. What are what are his strengths and weaknesses? How do they use him? How would you imagine they will use him, especially with um, it's? I mean, Michael Gallup's going to be available for this game, so the Cowboys should have all three of their their main receivers for the first time in a while. Yeah, I mean, look, he's a good player. I mean, he was a first round pick. He played pretty well at Clemson. I know everyone remembers the game at LSU where they kind of beat his back out in the championship game, but he was a really good player leading up to that. Uh, he's pretty versatile in the way that he can play. He can press, he can play off, he can do a bunch of different things. Uh, I think in this game, I don't think you travel him because I don't know who you would pick to try and neutralize. I think he plays on his natural side of the field and he takes on whoever's there. The problem is now when the, the, the three are back, Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, and Cooper, now you have a problem either way because two of those guys are going to get one-on-one matchups and kind of have their way. It's a tough matchup for Atlanta. And I think we kind of forgot, we haven't really seen this lineup in a long time, this is the one that everyone feared when you had that 11 personnel with one tight end, these three wide receivers, Zeke or Tony Pollard in the backfield. This is the explosive, high-powered offense that everyone fears around the league. Well, a lot of those guys, with the exception of Gallup, of course, have, in last game we saw many balls being dropped, not catching the ball and all that. How good is this team as far as like takeaways and do they even get close to getting the ball often? Yeah, I mean, like, they can get around it. They're going to play hard. They can run to the ball. They're going to do those things. But I think a lot of the Cowboys' issues are, um, look, it, it, it's one of those games where they have to focus on the DBOs. Like, don't beat ourselves. Uh, turnovers, penalties, big plays allowed. If they take care of that and play clean football, they'll win those games. This is a game where they're better than the other team. And the only way that the Falcons can kind of thrive, survive and thrive, is if you give them life by turning it over, having penalties that are silly, giving extra yards, letting the ball fly every hit, all that stuff. And so if the Cowboys just play a clean game, like the kind of game that they talked about repeatedly in training camp where they just do the little things right, they'll win. But I think when you saw all of those things last week against the Broncos, first thing that stood out to me is this team isn't focused, this team isn't ready to play, and because they weren't ready to play, they walked out of the stadium with an L. All right, so it's prediction time. What do you think is going to happen Sunday? Uh, I think we see a better effort from the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys take care of business. And I think it starts from the jump. Uh, I think this is a high alert game because they can't afford to fritter these games away. Uh, We can talk about the division potentially being wrapped up, but now it's about can you get to that number one seed? Because this year's playoffs are so different where you only have one team with the bye. It behooves the Cowboys to see if they can get in a position to get to number one. So then it only takes two to get to the bowl as opposed to three and that long that long road of having to beat all these different teams and the potential matchups that you could face. All right, Bucky, man, we appreciate you. It's good stuff. We'll catch up with you next week as we get ready for the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll take our final break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about the offense and uh, maybe a little bit more about this whole thing with Randy Gregory and how the Cowboys are going to adapt. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with... And I'm Jay Novacek. And we're both with... United United Ag and Turf. Turf, The official tractor provider of the Dallas Cowboys. So, if you need a tractor to bale some hay, a mower to cut some grass, or a gator to get some chores done... Get a John Deere at United Ag and Turf. And then, let's get to work. Hey, Jay, that's my line. (laughs) Well, not today. Get to work with a John Deere tractor package that's just right for you and your budget. Visit UnitedAgandTurf.com. 
Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. New Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. You deserve it. I do deserve that. You deserve decadent flavor without sugar. And a day at the beach without sand getting everywhere. And a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt. I deserve all that? It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't. A visual metaphor on the radio. I do deserve that. Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you deserve is finally here. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys. Back to the break. Cowboy fans joining the NFL and supporting our nation's service members by wearing the latest Dallas Cowboys Salute to Service gear. Visit your local Dallas Cowboys Pro Shop or shop.dallascowboys.com. A fanatic's experience to find a full assortment of Salute to Service gear. Welcome back. Final segment of the break live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Let's uh, catch up a uh, real quickly on a couple other injuries, uh, guys that have mispracticed uh, this week. Um, let's talk about first uh, a couple guys that they held out yesterday, uh, that they held out as a precaution, I think, Brian Anger um, and Jake McQuaid. What is their status and where Purely are they? Purely precautionary. They're not even close contacts because that's a whole separate thing. They just... And they were like, well, the specialists spend all their time together. Let's just be smart about this. Um, it sounds like everything's okay. There's nobody new in the COVID protocol. They should both be at practice today. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we've even discussed it. I mean, as it stands right now, Greg Zerline's still in the protocol. Right. They, they signed. Oh, the, yeah. They signed a new kicker, and we haven't talked about it. I was it. actually going to get to him next. So, okay. great. Go ahead. You want to fill us in? Yeah. They signed uh, the practice to the practice squad, Liram Haralahu. Haralahu. There you go. I practice. You. See, Look I practice. Nice. There you go. Hiralahu. Um and and by putting him on the practice squad, they don't have to use a roster spot. They'll just use a it's a COVID elevation is what that will be. So they won't even he won't even be anybody else on the on the roster. So that they'll get the the exception there. Um, we'll see. We'll see what he does. I guess he, he beat out Brett Maher in the kicking competition. Know, com- I mean. <laughs> of course he did. I mean, Ma- that. Yeah. I mean, did they kick 60 yarders? Because if they did, Maher probably beat them, but they probably just kicked the regular I don't know. 40 yarders. Hirelahu sounds like he's got a leg on him because I don't know if, as soon as he signed, all the NFL accounts start tweeting out the video of him yeah. practicing. Like he hit like a 58 yarder with the wind yeah. and a 55 yarder into the wind. Yeah, I know it's not the NFL. I get that, but this guy's. Attempted like 280 field goals in the Canadian Football League. Let me throw something. 
Yeah, let me, it's yeah. got to be tougher kicking Sh- there than well because of the in the elements. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, although which we're <laughs> nobody cares about the CFL, but the goalposts are at the front of the end zone. I'm, a, a lot we of people care about the, yeah, yeah. We love UCFL. I just mean in terms <laughs> of what you're going to do on Sunday, but like it's totally different. Like yeah. the goalposts are at the front of the end zone. But yeah, I agree with you. It's probably but, really tough. But the yard, but the yard, the yard is, is still, still the same. The same yeah, yeah, but. yeah. And here's the deal. I'll, I'll throw this out to you. I looked up some of his numbers because obviously, if there's any position that you can say translates well from CFL to NFL would be kicker because it's still just kicking field goals, right? Um, over his, he's been, in, he was in the CFL for six years. He was an all-star in the CFL as a kicker, so one of the better kickers in the CFL. Uh, over the last four seasons, though, ninety-one percent field goal percentage. He had a long of fifty-six. Um, he averaged uh, sixty-three yards on kickoffs. Nick, you and I were talking about that. Let's get put a pin in that. We'll get back to that. But if you look at his, his what he made and missed, he was perfect uh, zero to nineteen. He was he he was ninety eight percent twenty to twenty nine so not bad. You wanted to probably be a hundred percent there, but not bad. Uh, he was ninety percent thirty to thirty nine. That's where it gets a little bit weird because you still want him to make those more regularly than ninety percent of the point. time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then forty to forty nine, he's eighty four percent fifty plus. He's eighty eight percent. So fourteen to sixteen. 50 plus so that's pretty good it sounds like he's greg zerline honestly and that's my point like i i look at this and i'm like i don't know if i see a huge difference between him and greg zerline other than i do think greg greg zerline has a penchant for hitting those kicks that are that are meaningful late in games and we don't know that about hiralahu no we don't but 50 60 70 thousand people watch go to the stadium to watch the cfl you know it's i mean it's i just said nobody cares i was being tongue-in-cheek like it's very popular in canada absolutely so it should i i would imagine this shouldn't be too big of a difference for him um i considering zerline's on the COVID list i feel pretty good about it honestly yep my my only thing that i'm gonna be looking at is you know kicking off if they get to you know if they Get the kickoff a lot. I mean, Averaging sixty three yards, that, that will put it like right there. The goal off line, regular like one time I mean, last week. So because they didn't score any punts, so they got to. They got to. It just I mean, makes me wonder. Despite of, I mean, with you even saying how similar they are, and I mean they were competing too, kind of competing mm-hmm. earlier on. Um, but it makes me wonder how conservative or if at all the Cowboys become as far as their game plan or. Not conservative, I would say risk it more to take more chances to not necessarily have to kick. So do you guys think, I mean, they would put how much trust they would give this guy? You know what I'm trying to say? Like He's, he's going to yeah. get a chance to get out there. I mean, if it's in the 30, 40 range, I, think they're gonna, I don't think they're going to do it any different. They might do it differently on a 50-yarder. But, I mean, a lot of it, too, like we, we we forget. I mean, they're going to get a good idea when he gets to the stadium and what he's kicking, what it looks like there. And, you know, I, I, I just don't think they'll change their approach that much. I don't either. And I actually – I looked this up this morning. For all the talk about going for it and, like, whether or not it's a good idea, most of their attempts have not been from common sense field goal range. They did it against Denver. Um, and they did one. Uh, they did one from the New York twenty-eight in the Giants game. But really, other than that, it's either too far away to be a field goal, or they're right up on the goal line where anybody would want them to go for it anyway. So there haven't been a whole lot of circumstances where it's like, well, you could take this 40 40-yard field goal or go for it. Like usually, it's either or. It's 
we don't want to try a 58-yard kick or we're an inch away from a touchdown. Let's just go get it. That's usually what happens. So, yeah, I'd be curious. I don't don't think it'll change their their process too much if I had to guess. Or maybe it will, though. Like, I mean, Zerline's kicked a lot of field goals between, what, 35 and 45-ish, give or take. I mean, maybe you try that now because you're like, do we want to make this guy try a 48-yard field goal in his first NFL game or do we just want to – put trust in Zeke Elliott. I, I hope they don't do that. I, I don't want them. I think when you start doing that, then you start changing things before you know what you got. Like, give him an opportunity. I think you go into the game saying he's our kicker. He, again, we looked at all the numbers. He's a guy that has a resume of being able to make kicks. So give him an opportunity to make kicks. If you get in the game and he's missing a lot, then alter your strategy. And, and if you have to do it multiple weeks, then alter your strategy for future weeks. But I think for right now, I think you go in, you try to approach it, as you would with a normal kicker. If you get into some of those long situations, maybe you don't try them at 55, 56, unless you have to. Uh, but I do think some of those closer in field goals, I think you just you got to give him a try- chance and let him see, let him prove you, prove to you that he can or can't do it before you just assume that you don't want to put him in the position. Talk to me about Cedric Wilson. He also mispracticed with a shoulder injury. McCarthy. Tag, whoa. you're it. Oh, okay. You're out, Gallup, you're in. I don't know. Tag team. I mean, so he's out. No. I, M- <laughs> McCarthy said today they're being smart with him. Yeah. So when the coach says that, I assume it's just a monitoring thing and he should be fine. But it have, definitely helps. Sorry, it definitely helps. That ga- I mean, people keep asking me this. Like, nobody believes me. Michael Gallup's going to play. He doesn't have to be on the roster right now. He will be by the time the weekend right. rolls around. He's, he's going to play in this game. So... If for some reason Cedric can't go, at least you have that in your back pocket. Good. Agreed. Okay, good. All right. Um, real quick, I did I did want to talk a little bit more about the offense before we end the show. Um, I asked Bucky this question about Terrence Steele. Did you guys see anything in that game that made you think, hey, maybe they need to reevaluate what they're doing at the left and right tackle position? Or do you think, hey, he might have some issues, but... I think in the long term, this is probably the right decision. You just keep letting him get comfortable at left tackle until Tyron can come back. It was one of the two things. I mean, it was one of the things I agreed with Bucky uh, about. I didn't agree, obviously, with the Parsons on the edge. But I <laughs> did, but like we said the other day, like it just kind of hit me like oh, the light bulb came on. Like, wait a second. This is all about Tyron Smith. Because if it's not if, if, if they put Lyell on the left side and then Tyron comes back, now they got another decision to make. This is about this is their swing tackle, and right now their left tackle is out, but he's coming back. So I, from that standpoint, if that's the case, then then yeah, and everyone keeps saying this is not long term injury. So so I'm I'm fine with that. I mean, I heard Dave, I heard what you said on the radio this morning about. <laughs> I already uh, forgot what I said. Well, you just talked about <laughs> Terrence Steele and how everyone it's tough to go right to left, and uh-huh. he's had another week of practice. Let's see if he does gets better at it. I mean, I said last week that I thought they should play LC on the left, but now that you've made a decision, I think you should probably stick with it, right? Because now you're you're just resetting the clock. Now it's now you're giving Lyle Collins three days to get ready, and he hasn't played left tackle in almost a decade, mm-hmm. um, or. Dang. No, seriously, I know. All of a sudden, seriously, Lyle Collins is like one of the most tenured players on this team. I don't know Six how that years. happened. It's seven. So okay, that, okay, I guess that's almost very, a decade. It's close. It's, it's close. It's, it's close. It's like close to being close. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Regardless, um, so like, why why mess with it? Like you you started this. Terrence Steele can only get better. It's not what I would have done, but you've committed to it, so I think you're only hurting yourself if you try to restart it again and say, okay, now go back over there, 
how maybe that'll hurt his confidence and then lc's got to do something he hasn't done in forever for the first time i just you made a decision you might as well stick with it amber i get that logic but it's just to me right now i think it's delusional to hang on to this idea that tyron smith is not long term blah, blah. it might not be long term he might come back but then you just never never know mm-hmm. how much longer he is gonna be on that field for so i just i hate the idea of the decision that they made of moving terrence Steele to the other side i think he has been doing a really good job i get it that he's the swing tackle but whatever i mean suck it up like lyle collins you're a veteran guy you can figure it out you get paid everybody gets paid here figure it out i think that he should be replacing Tyron Smith's spot and not have taken that chance. And I get your point, Dave, but... You don't want to hear it, though. No. <laughs> it sounds like excuses to me. I don't want to hear it. I I think, I'd like to think of it more as a rationale than an excuse, but... <laughs> I hear you. Semantics. Mm-hmm. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Absolutely. Point is, I don't agree with the decision-making. I yeah. don't like it. I, I don't trust that Tyron Smith will be back for a long period, just because you just never know. So I'd rather just... Make a definite move right now. This is the game plan. If Tyron Smith does come back and Lyle needs to sit out, I'm sorry, buddy. Sit out for a little bit. Yeah. It's okay. You might come back soon because you just can't trust Tyron Smith's health. I kind of uh, agree with that because everything I've heard about this injury is basically it's only going re- either to either time or surgery heals this. Like those are only two options. And and so I don't know. They say it's a short-term injury, but I don't know. Who knows if it's another week, if it's another five weeks? Who knows? And so that's why I don't look at this so much as, well, he just got to buy time for this week. Like, it, it could be longer than that. And that's why I'm like, is this the right decision? Now, I do kind of agree that I personally think that Terrence Steele with more time can get better at the position. I believe that. I've seen it happen on the right side. I think it can probably happen on the left side as well. I don't know that it's that big of a difference. Uh, I just think it's an adjustment of being able to get more to to the point where your body's just comfortable doing the things you have to do on the left side versus right. But that all being said, I I think the Cowboys got to look at this as more than just a short-term injury, unless they know something more than they're reporting. They should, to me, they should. If if surgery is an option, they should do it. Right now, well, that's surgery. well. I mean, we're it's we're past that point, in my opinion. I was about before you said that. I was about to say if they think there's even a remote chance that this is a five week injury, and they're still treating it like day to day normal. You know, he could and by be the back. way, I just threw out five as no, just a random. I know, number, but yeah. like it's their and I'm not trying to speculate either. But it's their job to have a firm idea of the timetable, and if that's the case. Why isn't he on IR? Why aren't you considering surgery? Like they should have made that call last week. Yeah. Honestly, if they thought that that was yeah. something, well, he I might do need. think. It, but I think it happens like this with a lot of injuries sometimes, where it, you're kind of waiting to see because your body can repair it. But then, if what what after yeah. what happens after you get weeks down the road and, and your body hasn't repaired, you, it, you probably know? all you know Hall of Famer. He's a quiet guy, but he's a commanding guy. He probably wants to be out there. He probably knows what people say about his injury history. So you've got him fighting against you like, I can push through it. I can push through it. I'll be ready. I'll be ready. It's still their job to have a better handle on it than we do. I just, I'm not, I I don't really expect him to play this game, but if this is something that lingers on to where you don't know if he's going to be available like into December, then I don't like the way that they're handling this. Yep. But we'll all see. right, 
Appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll have uh, more talk. We'll get you guys ready for Cowboys versus Falcons. We'll uh, break down all the things that can go right uh, for the Cowboys and what they'll need to do in order to make those things go right uh, in this game and hopefully get back on a winning track. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Helm, and Amber Garcia, I am Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!